scary girl. Hi, Hi everybody. everybody. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Dina Marie. Yay! <laughs> and, it's and this a- is oh Dan yeah, Dan Times. So oh, yeah, you, I fucked it up. Fucked I it fucked up because <laughs> I was looking at that and I was like, it's not episode seventy-two. This is episode seventy-three. It is. And it's episode That's two. That's why I kept it. Right. Yeah. yeah. And episode is- 73. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> We're so professional. Yep. Say what you're going to say. Are we going to start with this episode 73 Three? or is the second episode of Guest Toberfest? Second episode of Guest Toberfest. Okay. And this is the second, second episode of Guest Toberfest. Uh, episode 73 overall. Super excited. Sarah can't deal with herself right now. I can't handle it. And oh yes, we if you didn't just hear, we have a special guest today. Yay! <laughs> Who is very happy to be here. Super excited to We're have so you. So excited to have you. Um, so also again, we've got our guests on every month and every week. every week of the month of October. Mm-hmm. Last week we had Shane from Realm of the Unknown. This week we have the lovely Deanna with Twisted Philly, which is the so amazing uh... Philly podcast. We're super fangirling over here, you guys. If you haven't listened to her show, go listen to her show. We can't believe that she came on our silly show. I know we're we're, so we're ridiculous. So I really I like know. your show, and I'm really appreciative that you invited me to join you. Thank oh you gosh, so much so for being excited. here. Yeah, we've got um. So with this week, I guess this is the second week of October. Yep. So Mary Gerard is done. It's done. I still have Terror Behind the Walls going on. I'm performing in the Speakeasy at Al Capone's cell. That's through. Oh uh, wow. The- yeah. Yeah, she's doing Terror Behind the Walls. Uh, yeah, I'm performing a Terror Behind the Walls. So I work in the Speakeasy. So once you go through the whole haunted attraction, the Speakeasy is like a bonus extra part. Uh, and you can actually like hang out. There are cells that are set up as like lounges. There's a cell with blackjack. There's a cell with like tarot card readings. Like there's all sorts of stuff going on. And then there's live music every 15 minutes. And I'm one of the singers in the Speakeasy. Um, my character is the good lady Dame Judy Mae Best. That's the character I came up with. Um, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, I love all of, yeah, all of the side names. Yeah. Oh Friends call it Judy, good Judy, Dame Judy, Judy Mae are the best thing on two legs. <laughs> only thing better than me is my sister Mary and she's only got one leg. Oh my God, that's uh, awesome. So you can find Judy May in the speakeasy at Terror Behind the Walls through the 9th of November. The only days I am not there are Wednesdays when I am singing in Songbird at Latage at 8 p.m. And the 19th, I'm performing Hedwig at Frankie Bradley's. The 25th and the 26th, I will be in the Rocky Horror Drag Queen show at Punchline Philly. And then Halloween, October 31st, I will be performing at Gay Bill. But I'm at Gay Bill like once a month because me and me and Miss Cleo are like this. Mm-hmm. Cleo Fatra, that's the drag queen who runs Gay Bill yeah. at Tavern on Kamac. Um, but yes, yeah, so that's everything that I have going yeah, on this big, month. Big, big month for both of us. Ooh. And yeah, Mary Gerard is closed now, but this Saturday, the 12th, I'm doing a show at Laurel Hill Cemetery for one night, True Tales from the Tombs. That'll be a lot of fun. And also on the 12th, you have something, I right? do. That's the day I have a live show? Yep, I have a live show with Paranormal Podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories. Eee, tell us a little bit about that. So tell us about Twisted Philly and then about your live show that's yeah. coming up. So Twisted Philly is a mix of stories all from Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. I do paranormal tales, haunted history, some true crime, tourism, some of my favorite places to visit. I'll be talking about Eastern State Penn and Terror Behind the Walls pretty Ooh. soon for all of the great Halloween happenings. And um, it's just all based in Philadelphia and Pennsylvania. 
The live show is on October 12th. It's at the Philadelphia Ethical Society in Rittenhouse Square. And my friends Jerry and Tracy Polly, who host the Hillbilly Horror Stories podcast, are coming all the way up from Kentucky to visit wow. Philadelphia. They've never been this far north before. And uh, they're just, they're great folks. And they've got great ghost stories from all around the country. Mine, obviously, will be very local to Philadelphia. But it's going to be a really good time. Oh, my gosh. That's so much fun. Awesome. I know. So exciting. October's the best, isn't it? It is. There's so much going on this month. It's crazy. Yes. Oh, my. You ain't got to tell us twice. So for a little more about uh, Deanna's podcast, we're going to play the promo for her show. Uh, So just check it out. Take a listen. Yeah. On Saturday, October 12th, you can catch Twisted Philly Podcast live with acclaimed paranormal podcast Hillbilly Horror Stories at the Philadelphia Ethical Society on Rittenhouse Square in Philadelphia. The event begins around 6-ish. We'll start with a meet and greet. Jeremy Collins from Podcasts We Listen To will be joining us as MC. Then Jerry and Tracy from Hillbilly Horror Stories will take the stage. They're coming all the way up from Kentucky to visit the city of brotherly love and sisterly affection and meet Twisted Philly listeners. After Jerry and Tracy, I'll share some of my favorite Philadelphia haunted history, tales I haven't shared on the podcast, which will only be available at the live show. Jeremy will host an Ask Us Anything. You can even get on the mic with your own paranormal experiences if you'd like to share. There will be time to shop for merchandise. We'll have giveaways. I'll have some prizes. It's going to be a spooky good time getting everyone in the mood for Halloween. Tickets are just $20 for two live podcast shows on one night. I've got a link for tickets on Twitter and Facebook, and there's also information on Instagram. You won't want to miss this. We're going to have a blast. If you prefer to head home a little early, we'll be wrapping up before 930, so it won't be a late night. Or if you're up for spending a little time in the city, you can join me and Jeremy, Jerry and Tracy for a night out after the show. Rittenhouse Square has some of the best bars and restaurants in the city, just blocks from the Ethical Society. We can't wait to see you on the 12th. Hey! Hey! Uh, so yeah, check out Twisted Philly. Uh, we're really super, super and crazy amped to have you here today and to talk about your stuff. So we're super pumped. We're so excited. Are you guys ready to get started? Yeah. Uh, yes. Stephanie. All right. Sarah. Deanna. Deanna. Y'all, y'all ready, ready to talk about some ghosts? I'm ready to talk about some ghosts. Yes. <laughs> yes. Get Love with it. it. I Tell us what you got. I thought I would talk to you today a little bit about Washington Square Park in Philadelphia. Yeah. Right. Have you ever visited Washington Square? I have, but I did not know it was haunted. Oh, yes. There is. is, You're about to get into. There is a lot of history in that park. Some of it is a little dark, some of it is very twisted. It's one of the largest potter's fields in the city of Philadelphia. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. So, barely two feet below your feet, there are thousands of bodies. Sarah's hand is over her mouth right now in shock. And every time, so Washington Square, Washington Square is one of my favorite spots. And you guys listen to Twisted Philly. You know I'm a little obsessed with William Penn and the early history of our city. When he came to Pennsylvania in the late 1680s, he really wanted a municipal center while also protecting green spaces. So when he laid out the city grid, there's the square right in the middle where City Hall sits. And then there were four squares in the four corners of the city. 
And one of them was dedicated to be Washington Square. Now, initially, it wasn't called Washington Square because when that space was designated as a green space, the Quakers were running the city. And part of their philosophy was never to name anything after a person. They didn't want to exalt anybody to that level of, of rank, like you're important enough to have something named after you. Sure. Um, and then eventually... They're very the, humble. Yeah, people. of course. And, and then eventually the name changed. And so for folks who haven't visited Washington Square... Is about maybe about 100 feet from Independence Hall, where our founding fathers signed the Declaration of Independence. It's a great spot to visit. You know, when you visit the park, you'll see so many locals just walking their dogs or having a picnic. It's a great spot for families. It's a great spot for couples any time of year. They just don't realize that they're sitting a few feet above thousands of bodies. I was like, yeah, apparently I, it's a great place to be buried. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah, no, I've been there a bunch of times. Yeah. I had no idea. So now I'm like, oh. No, okay. People don't people don't realize the history of that park. Now, obviously there is a magnificent marble tomb for unknown soldiers. These are soldiers from the Revolutionary War. There were probably 2000 Revolutionary War soldiers buried there after the war in one enormous unmarked grave. grave. Yeah. Wow. Many of these young men and women were from Philadelphia or the surrounding areas, which were farms, and there was no way to identify them unless a living relative came into the city to try to identify any of their remains. So having no family and not really being able to get them home to wherever they lived, they had nothing to do with them except bury them together in these large graves. And then there were hundreds that weren't even local to the area. So you know, the tomb of the unknown soldier, I think we all think of Arlington Cemetery, but there is a, a very large tomb with a perpetual fire there. It's really beautiful. It is a statue um, of George Washington standing before this this magnificent marble wall. And there's Washington's farewell address. But besides the monument, which is only about 60 years old, the park itself is over 300 years old. And it wasn't just a potter's field for Revolutionary War soldiers. It was also a potter's field for African-Americans who fled the South and moved to Philadelphia. Now, there were very few African-American cemeteries at the time that Washington Square was used as a potter's field. And although most of our city's African-American population in the 1700s or uh, excuse me, in the 1700s and early 1800s were freed slaves, in death, they were treated as very little more than disposable. So you have thousands of Revolutionary War soldiers buried there. You have hundreds of freed African-American slaves buried there, again, in unmarked graves, in just giant mass graves. And on top of that, you have a few thousand people who died during the, the, during the 1793 yellow fever epidemic in Philadelphia. Right. Also buried in Washington Square Park. So it, they, it was they, just kind of a catch. And your, fa yeah, your face is like, what the hell? Know. Yeah, I'm just like, so this was where they put the people where they're like, I don't know what else. I don't do know what them. else to do with them. Very in Washington Square. And, and the sheer scale of how many people lost their lives during the yellow fever epidemic is crazy. We lost 10 percent of Philadelphia's population at the time. Five thousand people died during the yellow fever epidemic. And although many of them lost their lives because of yellow fever, so many of them died because of the treatment, because the treatment, it's like if it doesn't, you know, that that which doesn't cure you will kill you. That's pretty much what was happening in the late 1700s because people were being bled 
and they'd lose so much of their blood volume. And then they were put in tubs filled with ice water. And then they were wrapped in gauze that had been soaked in vinegar. What? How the hell do you survive something like that? Oh these these were the so treatments for yellow fever. I was gonna say so yeah they weren't just dying of yellow fever they were also dying, were dying from the treatments right fever. and they were they were torturous poison. torturous methods. You had people dying from the disease you had people dying from the treatments and and really it's those ridiculous methods of treatment that contributed to so many of the deaths of those five thousand people back in 1793. All of that death. And despair and sadness, I think, seeped into the ground in Washington Square Park. Oh, my gosh. Of course. Because there are Honestly. thousands, I mean, literal thousands of people buried there. That's and it's, it's insane to think about. Folks have no idea. I mean, I, I just I think about when I visit, I think about people that I see just kind of going about their fun afternoon in Washington Square Park. And I look around. I'm like, yeah, you have no idea. There are thousands of people. Walking, we're tramping all on them. Well, like um, talking about like the just the energy of like all the sad, horrible things that happened there. Like Sarah has mentioned, like she's known people who worked at Terror before at mm -hmm. Eastern State, mm -hmm. and she's like, and they've all they all tell me they've seen stuff. And I always think of myself as like super skeptical, and I'm looking for things. Like I haven't seen anything, but I did a night tour where we went around and just looked at the prison, and I was completely just overwhelmed with grief. Like there was a part where we were walking through the yard, and I was looking around, and I just started crying, and I couldn't tell you why. Like mm. I didn't feel spooked, I didn't feel like scared or anything, but yeah. I was just overwhelmed by like grief in that space and all I could think was I was like there's just such horrible things happened and like I feel sadness here like I just can feel the sadness in this place it was really like it was really intense I think poor I absolutely believe porous surfaces can absorb energy and that so much of our city was built with limestone which is an incredibly porous material mm-hmm the Potter's Field days ended around 1795 after the second yellow fever epidemic. And quite honestly, it's probably because there just wasn't any more room to bury anyone in that particular plot of land. And over the next 20 years, everything around Washington Square Park, so we're talking about the early 1800s, was just, it was desolate. It was decrepit. The houses were falling down. Things weren't well maintained. And so the city actually began improvement initiatives on the land there and the nearby streets, including a tree planting program. Back in 1815, like they recognized that this was an area that was designated to be a green space, to be a space that would be kind of a respite for people. And it hadn't been maintained because of what had been done with the grounds there. Mm -hmm. So when you think about the, the tree planting program that has been operating for hundreds of years, some of the trees there are some of the oldest ones in the entire city. But it doesn't change the fact that it is the largest mass grave in Philadelphia. And it's absolutely believed to be haunted. I have personally never seen anything. I've never experienced anything, but I've also never gone there at night. And I, when I think about it, I'm like, I don't, I didn't think it was intentional to avoid going there at night, but maybe subconsciously, it is. <laughs> right? You're like, you know what? I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna put myself in that position. There is a legend that Philadelphia's homeless population does not sleep in the park, and. I mean, we live in we live in Philly. We see the homeless population. We have a very large population of displaced persons. 
Some people don't like going to shelters. So a park like Washington Square with a decent amount of benches, I mean, it it would be a place for someone who doesn't want to go to a shelter or doesn't have anywhere else to go. It wouldn't be the worst place in Philadelphia where somebody could sleep outside if if the weather conditions weren't horrible. Mm -hmm. They do not sleep in Washington Square Park. Wow. They refuse to spend the night there because of the legends about ghosts. And so I'm going to tell you about the first story of a woman named Leah. This was a Quaker woman. And during her life, she patrolled Washington Square to protect it from grave robbers. That that was a big problem? Grave robbers were a huge problem in Philadelphia in the 1700s because of Jefferson Medical College and Philadelphia, excuse me, um, University of Pennsylvania. So most of the most of the colleges for medicine started in Philadelphia. If you were someone who wanted to become a doctor or especially a surgeon in the 17 and 1800s, you studied in Philadelphia. And the, that's the Mutter Museum. It used oh, to be yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. right yeah, from Dr. Mutter. Physicians, but now it's a museum. These medical colleges needed cadavers for students to practice on. And typically, they would get cadavers from criminals who either died in prison or were put to death as a result of their crimes. But there weren't enough because there were people from all over Europe and all over the original colonies coming to Philadelphia to study medicine. We had a huge population of grave robbers. And some of these grave robbers were employed by physicians at Jefferson Medical College. They were paid. Yes, they were paid by the physicians to get bodies so that they had enough cadavers for medical students in the 17 and 1800s. Right. How fucked up is that? Oh, my God. I feel dirty knowing that information. It's I mean, that's why like what I talk about as bad as things are now, people have no idea how jacked up the city was in its earliest days. I was it's like, oh, like, Philly. <laughs> Philly's never I'm changed. Like, right, yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, Philly's No, I mean, the like corruption at the heart. Philly this... didn't get this way. Philly was born this way. <laughs> we were born this way. We absolutely were born this way because you think about the Quakers who came here with William Penn. Philadelphia was settled on the concepts of religious freedom, tolerance. And then once they got here, they started to own slaves. Yeah, and as like, and as other like Quakers that. emigrated here in the late 16 and early 1700s, they looked at Penn and the early settlers and they're like, what the fuck are you doing? This isn't this isn't our faith. This is literally the opposite. Just because you came here. Right. Just because you came here and people were doing this doesn't make it OK. So, yeah, our, our corruption goes back decades, if not centuries. Centuries. Oh, Philly. And so what was really tough about Washington Square was because it was a potter's field, nobody kept an eye on it. It was so easy to get bodies out of that spot. So this this very old woman named Leah, she was a, an older Quaker woman who lived in Philadelphia. She would walk the cemetery. And she called herself the keepers of the the keeper of the graves and the protector of the dead. Ooh, right? girl. That sounds like such a badass name. I'm Leah. I'm I think there's, I think there's like cards. an original short play or horror story somewhere in there about Leah. So, Def, I mean, if they made one about Mary Gerard, they can make one about Leah, the protector of the dead. Let's do it. Let's write it. Done. Every night, Leah walked Southeast Square, which we know today is Washington Square Park. She wore a long cloak with a hood that shadowed her face because she wanted to hide her face, hide her. 
identity from the men who buried the dead because the ones who were burying the dead were also some of the same men that were digging them back up and selling them. She had horrible arthritis, and so her hands were crippled to the point where they looked like claws. And she also suffered from a curvature of the spine. I mean, she was in very old age. And so she cast a rather imposing figure when you think about say, people think death is roaming around the fucking exactly bar. exactly like death. oh my goodness smart woman <laughs> one of the most reliable sources about a ghost sighting in washington square park is a detective from south philadelphia the first time he claimed he saw this woman was about 20 years ago he was on his way to work so it was early 2000 It was very early in the morning, so we're thinking like 4 or 5 a.m. before the sun came up, and he used to cut through Washington Square Park from his home to get to the precinct where he worked. And on this particular morning, he stopped at the fountain. There's this incredible fountain in the center of the park, and he stopped and sat on the edge of the fountain so he could take a sip of coffee from his thermos because it was so cold out. It It was in the fall. And he thought he was alone until he noticed somebody kneeling in the leaves and grass, not far from where he sat at the fountain. And he said this figure looked like it was draped in a blanket. And he thought it was a homeless person, maybe somebody digging through leaves, looking if they could find some trash, maybe something, maybe somebody left something, you know, something of value, maybe he could find some money. So at first he ignored this person. But he, he said he was just continuously drawn to her. So like you were talking about that feeling you got at night in Eastern State, even though you didn't see anything, just this overwhelming feeling. It's very similar to what this police officer described. And so as he continued to stare at her, he realized it wasn't a homeless person. It was a woman, but he couldn't make out her features. He was interviewed about 10 years later by a man named Charles Adams who wrote a book, Philadelphia Ghost Stories. And this is what the cop said about his experience seeing Leah's ghost. He said he looked at her and the more he tried to get a make on her face, the more trouble he had actually seeing her face. He swore to God it was as if she had no face. There was just a head under the blanket wrapped around her shoulders. No. There was a no-face story in the last in the episode last we just recorded with Shane. I know. I like no-face stories. And it's horrible. Right? I'm just like, God, that's so scary. Now, and, and I, yeah. I take that one pretty seriously. Not to say that a police officer wouldn't make something up, but I, I feel like because it's a detective and they deal yeah. in facts all the time, that <sighs> I, I just feel like they're they're pretty credible sharing a story like this. About 20 years before that, in the early 1980s, there was a woman walking her dog through Washington Square Park, and she had a very similar experience to this police officer. She saw someone crouched on the ground, looked like she was digging through the leaves, and this woman was afraid that there might be something wrong with this person. She said she could tell that it was a woman. So she approached her, and then she realized there was something horribly wrong. Just like the detective, she swore this woman did not have a face under the cloak that covered her head. I don't like it, Sarah. I just got chills. Why chill? I know, like my arms. I feel like I feel goosebumps. Yeah, I I feel goosebumps goosebumps on my arms. And Leah was a real person. So I went digging when I talked about, I actually talked about this in the leaves, right? (laughs) No, I'm not, not, fuck that. I'm not digging any fucking leaves. No, no way. (laughs) 
But I, I shared this story at a previous live show and I went digging through just old. I, I get so obsessed with Philadelphia records and news reports from the 1600s and the 1700s. I'm like, <laughs> like, just stick me in an old room with old newspapers and all the dust mites. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm happier than anybody. <laughs> so I actually found a mention of this woman in something called the Philadelphia Annals from 1795. And there was a Philadelphia historian named Jonathan Fanning Watson who actually wrote about Leah. And he said, some of my contemporaries will remember the simple-hearted, innocent Leah, a half-crazed, specter-looking, elderly maiden lady, tall and thin of the Society of Friends. So she was a Quaker. Quaker. Among her oddities, she sometimes used to pass the night wrapped in a blanket between graves of this place for the avowed purpose of frightening away the doctors. So everybody friggin' knew knew the doctors were in on the grave robbing. They knew. Yes. And they were like, I guess, I mean, we got to let him. He's a doctor. (laughs) Got to let him do it. That's awful. Oh, that's awful. Isn't it horrible? It's awful. You know, and then you get some of the expected sort of haunted reports from Washington Square. People who have seen orbs move through the trees, dance around the fountains. More often than not, if you take a ghost tour that goes through Washington Square Park or you do any searching on the Internet about people's experiences on ghost tours, you are going to find so many reports of people who claim to see orbs, people who said they've captured them on film. Again, I've never seen anything like an orb or Leah anywhere in Washington Square Park, but I've never gone there at night. I've never been there in the dark. And I've never gone in the early hours of the morning. But the Leah sightings, the two most credible ones that I shared with you are in those very early morning hours when it's still dark before the dawn. Mm. And I'm trying to get my courage to visit. Well, I don't know. Maybe if you guys come with me. I'd go. I could go. We're not bringing a Ouija board. Oh, fuck no. No, 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 no. No Ouija board. No Ouija board. No, no, no. no. Now, I was going to say, I've been to Washington Square Park at night, but this was in the height of the Pokemon Go phase uh, (laughs) because there are all sorts of cool little Pokestops that were in there and you could get all sorts of weird random Pokemon there. So when I went, it was at night, but like never like way, it was never like the middle of the night, like two, 3 a.m. I was there at like nine, 10 o'clock at night Yeah. when there were also tons of other people there all playing Pokemon Go. Yes. And there's so much, there's so much ambient light that time of night in the city too. Right, exactly. Yeah. There's so, there were street lights everywhere, but this was like when I lived on South street. So I could just like walk down. I would walk a couple blocks over and I would go there and then I would just walk back and just play Pokemon Go. (laughs) I'm thinking like between four or 5 a.m. Yeah. Yeah. Like when the detective said he saw her. Still dark. He would have been on the way to work. Yeah. That light blue ambient glow. But I love, I love knowing that. It's not just a legend that she is a real person who people in the city of Philadelphia at that time actually wrote about and knew and saw. Yeah. And and the other thing that I wonder is, okay, well, if you all knew about the grave robbers and their connection to the schools, why did you leave this 80 year old woman alone to fight them off by herself, for God's sake? They were like, like, did any anybody go help her? Like, help a sister out. Up job. She doesn't need any help. She's terrifying. I was like, yeah, I guess they just they. No one else wanted that job, and she wanted it. So you're like, I get sure. Let her have it. I don't. Like apparently she still wants it. Like she doesn't have a day job. She's retired. She's she's retired. Like she's just scaring them off. 
Good for her. She seems to really enjoy it. She's given herself I don't want to take that away from her. We'll let her have it. We'll let her have it. Yeah, I, I love that she named herself, that she gave herself these really magnanimous titles. It's fantastic. The keeper of better. the graves and the protector of the dead. Protector of the dead. Yeah, I want to see that business card. Right. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. Hi, I'm Leah. Let me help you with all of your afterlife planning. <laughs> They're embossed. Like those are that's a she's got a black business card and it's embossed with like gold. She's just like protector. Of the I think we need a t-shirt design like that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Protector of the dead. It's a woman's job. Man couldn't do it. Oh, really no. though? No. They couldn't do it. Well, so the next time you're in Washington Square Park, with each step you take, think about the thousands of bodies God, that are just, just a few say. feet, and I mean a few feet. We're not talking six feet down. We're talking they, two to three feet beneath your feet and of course those are the thousands of bodies minus the ones that the doctors all already stole. took right because right. who knows how many they took how if many? they were needing they were needing to for multiple I mean, colleges across the city when you mentioned that when you're like they're using it because we're training new doctors and of course you need these things to practice on i was like oh my god that just makes like the human body so just i just so it's like not a, a person it's yeah. not life it's not any like you're just we gotta get. We need a body. We need a body. We need a body to train them on. Doesn't matter. Just go get one. Well, and some of the punishments that criminals faced was not necessarily if they were put to death, but when they died, their bodies would be given to science for medical college. That was a form of punishment. Wow. Because it was looked at yeah. by some as desecrating the body. Yeah. Like so they would use religious. that as part of the yeah. sentencing to deter people from committing crimes. You know, yeah. the idea of donating your body to science for the benefit of others, there was no concept of that. And that also requires your consent, right? These folks were yes. not in any way consenting yeah. to any of this. They're, yeah. Like you said, it's a punishment. Poof. It's, it's heavy. The idea that doctors are like, we need to contract our grave robbing so we can get more bodies. I'm just like, there's a story there. I'd watch that show. I'd watch that show. I'd watch that TV show. Definitely. <laughs> Those Victorians Definitely. were a hot mess. They really were. They were crazy. Makes me feel a little better about where we are right now. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's fair enough. Like, just a little There's bit. always been some crazy shit going on. That's not new. Right. People, People have, have always, always been, been weird. Right. Always. Oh my God. That's fascinating. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> Yay! Are those all the ghosts? And she's the main ghost. In Leah that. is Leah is the main ghost. I haven't discovered any reports of any other spirits there. Which you'd think that there might be, considering how many people were buried there. Unless yeah. that's the orbs that some folks see. It's just spirits from so many of the different dead that that unfortunately call that mass grave their final resting place. But the store, most of the stories that I uncovered were about Leah. About her. Some of them were much shorter and and not quite as specific as the two that I shared with you today those two have always had a real ring of truth to them partly because they're so similar and they happened 20 years apart but there's so much similarity between the two of them uh, you know whenever I, whenever I hear about reports of hauntings and ghosts when I when there's consistency between people's reports especially when they're people that wouldn't have had any connection to one another that always seems to have a bit of truth to it and seems yeah. much more plausible. And so that's what really sticks with me about about Leah's is those story, those two stories in particular. Wow. No, yeah, that's true, too. I was like, yeah, when you get the sort of continuity, like um, I'll always go back to the cell block 12 in Eastern State. But mm -hmm. then multiple people have had the woman like scream, run and scream run and scream oh and then gosh. run away. 
Oh, that one's still. Oh God. I'm almost sorry. I'm almost ashamed to admit, but I do not do Tower Behind the Walls. So I've I've never done it. I so I now I've done it because I did the mock run, which was like the night before our dress rehearsal, where it was basically a dress rehearsal. Everyone was in costume, but we didn't have makeup on. Mm-hmm. And me and like I was there with the other speakeasy people. Like we went as a group through the haunt. So I've been through it. Um, I mean, it's just a lot of jump scares. It's just a lot of people jumping out that. at and, and you. And God, it's it's that. one of the best in Pennsylvania. I but just it, is, it was so much fun. It was a it was a really good time. And as a performer, I'm just like, the makeup is incredible. And yeah. being part of the makeup process, like when I go in to do makeup, we basically have um, like 15 makeup booths. And you go in and you sit down and you tell them which attraction you're a part of because each attraction has different makeup. So like infirmary has like boils and then like Oh, lockdown. God, I would love to do the makeup there. The makeup is so cool. So like I'll be sitting down. I'm getting my speakeasy makeup, which is just like – I get kind of like purple and pale, like pale face Mm -hmm. with purple contour to kind of look dead and then otherwise just like regular makeup. But I'm sitting next to people who have like all these like prosthetics on their face. Oh, so fantastic. It is so cool. Right. And then like, um, this is the first gig I've ever had where somebody else did my makeup. I've yeah, what does that makeup. feel like? Oh my god, <laughs> it feels so bougie. I feel like a real professional. But yeah, uh, so they airbrush us. I've never had my face airbrushed before, but bougie. like, but she air they airbrush like my death makeup, and then they'll like do my brows and like put lashes on. <laughs> but like, but like my like uh, like my purple like sunken in face. That's all done with airbrushing. Oh but like, I'll be sitting next to somebody who has like these crazy like latex like brow prosthetics and then they're airbrushing to make the skin look all messed up and then all the airbrushed colors have these amazing names like rancid there's a yellow that's called jaundice (laughs) (laughs) you know that's a very particular hue of yellow i was like i know exactly that shade of the purple that they that they use for to sink in my cheeks is called contusion (laughs) so like contour for contusion so i'm always like looking at the names of the bottles because i always think it looks really really cool but um but yeah as like just a performer like if I feel like I was less scared because to me I could think about it as a production I was just blown away by it I was like all the makeup is so thought out these costumes are incredible the set design is amazing so I was thinking from that perspective but also it's way less scary because you're in a if you're in a group like there was a big group of us together we're all holding arms and so we're like oh I see you don't you jump at me (laughs) And if you're really scared, um, you can use the phrase monster be good and people will leave Aww. you alone. So like if you know something's about hat and you like just can't deal with it, you'd be like, monster be good, monster be good. See, I would go through the whole haunt just saying that on No, I really well, I really appreciate that about them. And then they've got the other extreme where if you want that full want contact experience, experience, you can have yes. that too. The glow so, necklace. Yeah. All right, so let me ask you a question. Can you go to just the speakeasy without going through the entire haunt? No, you ah, have to bummer. go through the okay. haunt. I know that was easy. my first. Everybody, question. yes, that her and Mary Angela both asked me that because like I can't do, it, I can't do it. But I'm also like, it's really not that scary, and I, I don't like to be startled like out of nowhere. But it's one thing to like go into it and you know things are gonna jump out of at course. you versus like I'm going down the stairs and you pop out at me like that will make me upset. But this I'm like I know people are gonna jump out and um. And we also, because I'm with all the speakeasy people, we went through it in character. So me and this other, like, flapper girl are holding on to each other. We're like, oh, that's terrifying. Oh, my goodness. Oh, he scared me so bad. <laughs> and that is the fantastic. Guy in, the guy in front of us, he's done this. He's been uh, – most of the people working it have worked it yeah. multiple years. So, okay. like – 
they'll ask you like who here's returning who here's new it's over 300 actors and more than half of them are returners like it's mostly people so great who keep coming back because they have so much fun doing it and it is a it's ton a of fun following. um but yeah so we were with this guy jason he works in the speakeasy his character is billy silly bones he's a contortionist Oh yeah, what? <laughs> he's because he's um he has um Is he double jointed or whatever hyperextension. So like his ligaments like stretch. Oh okay. So, he, so his whole show uh because like you know we get up and sing and then we'll be like you know and now Billy Silly Bones and he'll come out and do stuff where like he'll put his hand on someone and have them hold his hand and then he'll walk around them and oh. keep his hand in the same oh, place. But like, oh my god! Right. It's so it is so cool. And no matter how many times I see him do it, it's still like really You're cool. Like, oh. I love it. But anyway, so he's been through it a bunch of times. So he was in front of us and he had a glow necklace on. So the glow necklace, if you don't know, those of you listening, you can opt for a scarier experience where you give them permission to touch you. So if you're just going through, they will jump out at you. They'll startle you, but they won't touch you. They won't put their hands on you. They won't grab you unless you opt in for the scarier experience. And the way that they tell you apart is uh, you get a glow necklace put on your neck and that lets the actors know that they can grab you. And even then there's still limits to that. They can really just sure. grab you like by the arm. Yeah. They're allowed to like touch the top of your head and they can like touch your ankle, <laughs> which is like, oh. <laughs> it's really cool. But he's done it so many times, like nothing scared him. And it was just really great because again, I told you we're going in character. So they would grab him and they'd be like, come over here. And he's like, oh, this way over here. Okay. Which way you want me going? Oh, right over so here. You want fun. me to sit this way? It was it was really hilarious. But um but yeah, it's really cool and basically the way it works is it's broken into it's one giant haunted house but it's kind of broken into six mini haunted houses. Mm-hmm. Um and each one has a theme. So one is like bloodline which is like the line to get in where they like take your blood to like <laughs> Sure. To, right, exactly. Sure. To like put you in the system. And then it's lockdown where like all the like uh inmates have um they're all like infected, they're zombies and they're getting you like into the prison. It's lockdown. So then there's infirmary where like you're sick, so you go through and everybody's dressed as like doctors and nurses cuz they're in the infirmary and they're there to treat you for like whatever sickness you have. Then there's quarantine, which quarantine isn't really scary. It's just really trippy where it's all like they give you 3D glasses and there's lots of like black light and like glowing stuff. And my favorite jump out there was there's like a black wall with like uh, neon polka dots on it. And somebody jumped out and I realized he's in all black and has polka dots on him. Oh, so he's blending into the wall. Yes. Oh, fantastic. When he went went back up against the wall, I couldn't see him anymore. And even though I knew he was there because I just saw him, like once he did this, I couldn't see him. And I was like, oh my God, this is crazy. But it's so fun. It's it's super, super, super cool. And then the last thing you see is a SWAT, which is just a zombie dance team and it's super great they just all have like crazy zombie makeup and like they have the big like dance scene in the yard like when you're leaving and you hear this alarm going off and like they all just kind of like come out because they're like zombies and like twitch out and then the music starts and they have this huge dance number it's awesome oh my god it's like a flash mob Yes, it's choreographed, but they're, all, but they're like zombie SWAT team members, right? And then once you get past the yard, the speakeasy is on your way, like towards the exit. So it's an optional extra piece. And the speakeasy is at Al Capone's cell. So, like, you come in and it's all of cell block uh, eight and cell block nine is all part of it. And Al Capone's cell is in the middle. But the cell block is like super long. And some of them are like you can just look inside. You can't go in. But there are a ton of them that you can go in. And there's like a weird specimen room that has all these like 
old bugs and like a dead cat, like all these oh. like creepy things. Um, and there's like a cell that has blackjack. And then there are cells that are just set up like lounges where there are just like chairs and you can just go sit in a cell and like hang out. And so. drink. And drink, yeah. Um, and the speakeasy is extra, but it's 10 bucks to get into the speakeasy, but that includes a drink. So you get a beer or a oh, glass nice. of wine. And then you can buy, only in October, you can buy additional beverages. Mm. Um, September and November, there isn't a second bar where you can buy drinks. You just get the one free drink. Sure, that makes sense. But in October, um, you can also buy additional beverages. And you can just hang out as long as you want. And it's super cool. I just imagine if... What if there's like a ghost who is a, a ghost of Eastern State who loves terror behind the walls because then they can come out and play and everyone thinks that they're an actor and no one knows and there's like a ghost floating See, around. But to me, I'm just like, then you just wouldn't know. I was like, you wouldn't, but wouldn't that be cool though? That would be cool. It would be great be for them, right? They keep right, their like anonymity. Them, it's not like anybody's awesome going to be looking for them afterwards because they just think it's part of the cast. Exactly. I was like, Screaming Lady could do her thing. <laughs> she could live her best ghost life. I also, um, when we did training, so our, our training where we actually like got up on our feet and were like screaming and like scaring people, we did in the parking garage of the Philadelphia Zoo and not at the prison. And then when we had our next rehearsal at the prison, I was like, oh, I realize why. Because it's fucking horrifying to be in that prison and just hear screaming off in the distance, like all yeah. around you. I don't like it's this. so scary. But now everybody's in rehearsal and stuff, and each section has like music, and we have music, so you don't really hear that. But when we were just rehearsing and there was no music everywhere, you would just hear like, ah! Like, the echo like must all, have been horrible. In the distance. And I was like, God, this is so creepy. But oh it's awesome. God. It's so fun. And yeah, and I, I can't wait to go through it again on a night when I'm not working. Because um, it's, it's a trip. It's super funny. I like it. I got to push myself to do it. I don't love jump scares. I, I do the self-guided tour so much, and I promote the hell out of Eastern State Terror Behind the Walls because I think it's like the best in the country. I mean, the, the work yeah. that goes into it, the preparation, the production, it's it's far superior to so many other people that try to emulate that. Yeah. I just can't. I am not a jump scare fan. I just, mm. I See, I don't trust myself. That's what it is. I can, I can recover. Someone? Yes. That's exactly well, we, what it is. We have a lot I'm afraid of I'm gonna punch somebody. on how to deal with that, on how to deal with it. And they're like, there's a, they talk about how there's a difference between somebody like, they teach us how to jump and get back. Yep. <laughs> so that you jump at people and don't get in the range of them hitting you. But also they talk a lot about like de-escalation and the difference between somebody who like, there are people who come in there like looking for a fight. Like people who come in like, I dare somebody to jump yeah. out at me. And like telling the right those people versus somebody who was genuinely like Argh! right this would be more <laughs> yeah, of an emotional reaction and in right, that split like second you don't even realize what you're doing right and I would exactly. hate to do that to somebody and they were just like understand that there's a difference between those two kinds of somebody hitting you and like <laughs> but like also how to not get hit like how to kind of jump at people and jump back so they don't get you yeah and like keeping yourself like low centered so that when you jump out like you're jumping like. Like this. You got yeah. your balance. People, right. But so that you lean back and they yeah. don't like swing. Oh, my God. Um, but oh again, gosh. but lucky, you know, like being in speakeasy, I don't have that going on at my attraction. But um, what someone uh, someone suggested to me that I could scare people and I got so excited. And this is my new favorite thing. 
Um, I love to crack a fan, and I have a fan that I carry around. Oh, fabulous. And my assistant manager was like, you know what's really fun is to go up behind people and just crack that fan. <laughs> oh, that's so them. good. And I was like, oh, I lo- I'm oh, going to start doing do that. that. <laughs> right. And they're like, yeah, like you can still scare people in here. Like It's not mostly what we do, but you can still do it. And so that's become my thing. If I'm like roaming up and down the halls, we have like checker tables, and I'll go up to like there will be people playing checkers and crack the fan behind them, and they turn around. I'm just smiling. <laughs> and they all laugh. Like I've only had two people not laugh. Like people get startled, but then they start laughing. But I've had two dudes. Like one guy did not even flinch. Like the people around him did, but he just like turned and like he had a weird smirk on his face. Over it or no? He just was not like he was not shook. And then there was one guy who was like peeking into Al Capone's cell, and I did it to him. him. And he definitely flinched and then looked at me like he was pissed off. (laughs) Like he was like. And it's it's so fun. But most people like most people jump and then they just start laughing because they're like, I thought I was past this. But like, like that's how it was at zombie. Everyone is like, ah, (laughs) right. Like they love it. They love it. They love it. It's fun. It's fun. Oh, my gosh. (sighs) Thank you so much. Oh, my God. Thank you. Thank you for having me on your show. Thank, yeah, you, thank for you for coming. Yes. And thank you. For, oh my, I'm fascinated by this information. I didn't know any nope. of that about Washington Square Park, and I've been there like a million times. Well, I used to know. just go there. You were just walking. I used on to bodies. just go there for Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> you walking on bodies. How freaky would it have been if you've got your phone up looking for the Pokemon and, and you, you see, see Leah a ghost like behind. in the background? Could you imagine? <laughs> I'm like throwing the like Pokemon there's Pikachu and I see in the foreground hopping the, around, the and there's Leah in the background. Fuck that. <laughs> that would have been terrifying. Oh my god! I also imagine the the park is full of kids all on their phones playing Pokemon, and Leah's like. No one gonna pay attention to me. <laughs> no she's one like, gonna see she's me. She's like, well, they're not here to steal bodies. I guess. It's I guess. Fine. I guess. Just, just virtual Pokemon bodies. Just whatever they're playing in their little box on their hand. I love it. That's crazy. Well. Ugh. Thank you so much for being on. Tell the people where they can find your show. You can find Twisted Philly on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Twisted underscore Philly and everywhere else. It's Twisted Philly, all one word. Yay. And check her out. October 12th. That'd be great. Thank you. Which is this weekend. This weekend. That's this Saturday. Right. This Saturday. This Saturday. So hopefully tickets are still available. At this point. Yeah. Yeah. Because when we're recording it a few weeks out, she's already half sold. Yeah. So get on it, guys, if you're interested, because it sounds like a show that you don't want to miss. So exciting. Thank you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Uh, Of course, you can find us, Dead Time Stories, on Instagram, on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, We're on all of the podcasting apps. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher. We're on Spotify. And we love your emails. That's deadtimestories with a Z, all one word, at gmail.com. And you can support us by supporting our Patreon. But, of course, you can also support us just by reviewing and writing emails and telling us how much you like us. Yeah. And let, we'll see you next week for the next installment of Guestoberfest. But until next time. I'm Sarah. I'm Stephanie. I'm Dina Marie. Yay. And, and this, this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you so much for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Curtison. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman. That's perfect. Awesome. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Oh, this was so much fun. Yes, this is a great episode. You're such a good storyteller. Oh, thank you.
I was fascinated. I've just got like ridiculous amounts of history that's always in my head. So I, I, I just cool. appreciate that people want to listen. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No. It's so we should talk about jo- doing like a joint live show sometime. I would we should. love that. Yeah.